fact that food's not even a question. It's just, it's the craziest thing to me. It's the craziest thing to me that the, the, the thing you do the most every day, all day, every day of your life, multiple times a day, it doesn't affect how you ha are your health. It's just crazy. And then also people feel very threatened yeah. to change their lifestyle. They don't want to change. They'd rather do the most invasive, crazy, expensive, hard to heal from surgery yeah. or whatever, than to just change the way they eat. Hi everyone and welcome to the Eat Real to Heal podcast. I am your host, Nicolette Richet. And on today's show, we have the lovely, intelligent, adventurous, courageous, beautiful Daniel Arsenault. Daniel Arsenault, she is the founder of Pachavega Living Foods Education. She is a lover of many, many, many things. She's passionate about uh, being a raw food chef, about being a plant-based nutrition educator. She's an outdoor enthusiast, a mountain lover, ukulele player, and so much more. She's also the author of a beautiful cookbook and a humanitarian, a vegan, and a mama. So it is her dream to educate the world about the healing power of plant-based whole foods, which is why we have her on the show today. Now you're going to discover so much in this podcast. <clears throat> One of the biggest things is how Danielle had a near-death experience in 2021 and how that changed her relationship with the world and life as she knew it. It, it, it really gave her the realization that we are all truly best, truly blessed to be alive. And she teaches us that we can achieve anything that we put our minds to and that we have the ability to make all of our dreams come true. So this is why I'm so excited to have her on the show. We dive into so much more. So definitely listen right through to the end and then we'll have all her contact info in the show notes for you. Now, before we dive into the podcast, let me share with you two exciting programs that we just launched. One of them is our nutrition and detox coaching program. This is our signature program. We've launched it before. We've graduated dozens of students and the carts are opening again for that program. This is where I teach you 25 years of all the information I've ever collected and learned and studied about using food as medicine to reverse chronic disease. So everything from restoring nutrient deficiencies, supporting your body and properly detoxifying safely, but ultimately how to use food as medicine to reverse the leading chronic diseases that are plaguing our societies, our citizens, our communities, our loved one. And I'm going to teach you to be a 100% certified coach so that you can work with clients to teach them how to reverse their diseases. Because right now we have one in two people dying and being diagnosed with chronic diseases that are completely preventable and reversible. So we need people like you to sign up for this program. It is a six month program. The first three months you go through the, through the classes and you learn the art and science of using food as medicine to reverse the disease. The last three months goes into helping you launch your business. That means you're going to create a website. You're going to get clients. You're going to put yourself out there. You're going to start attracting clients and serving these people with your newfound knowledge so that they can reclaim their lives and reclaim their health. And then they can go out there and really, truly start living. 
So if you want to sign up for that program, head on over to greenmustache.com. That's G-R-E-E-N-M-O-U-A. No, no, no. <laughs> I don't even know my own website. Green Mustache. Mustache, M-O-U-S-T-A-C-H-E.com. And all the information will be there as well. Definitely sign up to our newsletter because that is where all the information is going out in. And of course, we are launching our chef training certification. So this is where we're teaching restaurants and their owners, restaurants and their owners and their chefs and their entire kitchen staff, how to prepare foods that reverse chronic diseases, how to add menu items where anybody who has diabetes and autoimmune disorder, heart disease, um, you know, is food sensitivities, where they can come in and get a meal that is actually going to heal them instead of harm them. So this is an exceptional course. We're going to be training 1,200 restaurants this year. So if you know of a restaurant in your community that wants to participate, definitely hook them up with us. And of course, email us at info at richerhealth.ca because we'd love to get you as a partner to promote these two programs. And of course, we're going to give you a beautiful commission for doing so. So reach out to us and join and help us reach our 22 million strong goals of helping 22 million people by 2030 reverse their chronic degenerative diseases. Now back to the pot cast with Danielle Arsenault. I look so forward to you reaching the end. And so you know what to do. You're going to share this podcast with everybody. I'll see you at the end, everyone. Bye. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Eat Real to Heal podcast. I'm your host, Nicolette Richet. And on today's show, I am so excited to have Danielle Arsenault from Pacha Vega on with us. Welcome, Danielle. Wow, thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. It is a pleasure, especially because you were in the heat right now. Let everyone know where you are chiming in from. I am on the beautiful island of Ometepe, and this island is a magical island in Lake Nicaragua, where there are two volcanoes. I'm actually sitting in between two volcanoes. One is active and one is dormant. Wow. How and many times uh, does active one go off? It hasn't gone off for a very long time. Maybe 2004, I think, was the last eruption. Um, yes, but it's uh, it's active. There's lava, there's uh, sulfur and smoke, but uh, no big action. And then the yeah. other one has a crater, a lagoon at the top of it. Oh, amazing. And I bet there's a lot of fertile soil in that area. Yeah, absolutely. It's clay rich on this side anyways. Right now I'm sitting on the Madeira side and the Concepcion side. It's a little bit drier, but you know, what they grow here is absolute abundance of incredible foods. Yeah, it's an Amazing. incredible place for that. So you are just like living the life and you have, I see the photos on your Instagram. It's just like such gorgeous tropical fruits and veggies and uh, what the kind of foods and medicine that people need access to daily is right at your fingertips. It sounds like. Yeah, that's right. You know, but one thing there's kind of like a sneaky behind the scenes thing that people don't see when they get here is that um, the locals don't eat a lot of variety that we're used to. Right. So when you first, like when I first moved here, 
all of a sudden I was like, where's my broccoli? Where's the col Where's the blueberries? Like, obviously those don't grow here. So it takes a moment to sort of get into the groove of what grows here, how to use it, how to make it taste delicious. And um, then you can see more of an abundance when, you know, you're not looking for kale, you're yeah. looking for amaranth leaves or cranberry hibiscus or katuk, three things that I'd never even heard of when I first arrived here. Amazing. And um, I love amaranth. I've been eating it for years, but even just the other day, I made it for breakfast for a friend of mine who had said they'd never even heard of it. And it is true. Like there's, you know, I say this in every show, we have 350,000 plus edible plant species on the planet and we might eat 30 of them um, and see at the grocery store. So, I mean, there's just such a wealth of, you know, gorgeousness out there. And I love that um, you are getting access to more of that than what we used to. Yeah, it's been really beautiful to like just taste the subtle nuances between different kinds of pineapples or, you know, the bananas. Wow. You know, yeah. like we in North America, we're eating pretty much one type of banana, which is the Cavendish banana. It's been engineered to be seedless. Whereas here, you know, there's 20 types of bananas growing within a kilometer squared region, including um, cuadrados and um, other different types. Like there's like the what is it strawberry banana no I don't even know the types there's so many different types I don't even know them all yeah and they're so delicious and some of them you cook them and they're just incredible as like a meal in itself and whereas here we just usually throw them in our sports bag as you know a dose of potassium and yeah no no appreciation for like the fact that it is one of many 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 types but same with broccoli and tomatoes and absolutely everything right there's yeah just hundreds of varieties of all of these beautiful foods Mm -hmm. So Danielle, you started um, Pacha Vega. So uh, let's go back, back, back to when you first started getting into food as medicine, food as health, food as divinity. Um, we were just chatting earlier just about how you are carving out a new niche as well for yourself. But let's go back to the beginning as to when food really, um, you know, took the front seat in your life. Yeah. And what's really amazing is that it just like all these different circumstances came to me in my life at that moment to sort of show me the way forward. Um, okay, so let's go all the way back to the very beginning. I'll try to make it quick and exciting. When I was 17 years old, my friend went vegetarian. I was like, wow, what's that? Oh, okay, well, I didn't really like meat that much anyway, so I'm gonna do what you're doing. So at the very beginning, my introduction was from pe through peer, uh, through my peer group and then I didn't really know anything about health at that time um, besides what I'd learned through my family um, and we were quite healthy I thought mm -hmm. um, you know standard American diet but on the healthy side so still you know my parents were cautious of uh, oil like over fried and they would buy the boneless skinless chicken breast instead of like you know so there was a bit of consciousness there um, but yeah, I remember not liking the smell of animal, like meat cooking. I just didn't like the smell of it. I remember having to leave the house one day and then my mom, she's like, I put the spices in, you can come back. I'm like, oh, now it smells like onion and garlic in here. Okay. Now I can kind of handle it. Um, and then, yeah. And then didn't really think much of it. You know, I was a cheese lover. Um, still, I, I still am, but I love cashew cheese. Right. Um, yeah. we can talk about yeah. that. Um, yeah. So 
cheese, you know, quesadillas, these types of things. I ended up moving to Mexico to complete my teaching degree and I uh, discovered rock climbing. And at the same time, I actually got a little bit of an insight into what was happening within factory farming. And at that point I was 24 years old and I just said, I don't want any part of this. Like yeah. my choices are contributing to that much suffering. I just don't want to even be a part of it. So I, right there, I went totally vegan, um, almost a little extreme. Cause like, I felt like I just needed to like, do it fully. So I got rid of leather, all my leather belts. I got rid of my leather shoes. I got rid of my feathers. I got rid of my wool. Um, I didn't get rid of it. I donated it. Yeah. Or yeah. passed it on. Um, you know, since then I've, I've welcomed in, you know, maybe a pair of good used hiking boots that I find at a thrift store that have leather, or, um, my mom has a sweater that's wool from New Zealand that she bought at a thrift store before I was born. Right. So there's some consciousness there again of like, okay, where did this thing come from? Yeah. And yeah. Well, like I think not. that that is ultimately, um, and I'm the same, I hate using labels because they do not, there's too many definitions for every single label, label, especially in the food world. Um, you know, whether you are vegan or nutritarian, or if you are, um, you know, it can mean so many different things if you're vegetarian. So it's way better just to tell people, you know, get into a deep conversation, say, you know, this is what I have for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. These are the purchasing choices I make. And it is an interesting thing about why I've never, even though we have a vegan restaurant for, you know, 100% health reasons first, environmental and um, animal rights issues, you know, uh, all together. But for myself, I can't say vegan because I love the reuse at center. And I think that leather and wool products and linen, like, you know, they're the most, truly the most sustainable if we're not killing animals to make any more because there's enough of it on the planet. But if you're going to the reuse at center, thrift stores, I mean, leather purses, bags, jackets, belts, shoes last decades and decades versus a lot of these plastic vegan products that are coming out that are like, that stuff will be there for a billion years, but damaged, like it doesn't hold its shape, it cracks, it tears. And so it's just become like another fashion material. And I'm not okay with that at all. Yeah, because I from an environmental, environmental and health perspective, it is not good for you, good for our planet. So I'm glad yeah. that you brought that up as well, because of the fact that uh, ultimately reducing our consumption and using probably are the two things that will save this planet. Yeah, exactly. It's like, we're, we're okay. This cat, this cow is already dead. Yeah. All right. I did not, my choices didn't contribute to its death and its suffering, no. but now this product is there and it's a good quality product. It's, it, it's a solid product. Yeah. So I'm not going to go buy something new because then tech that technically keeps that cycle exactly. going. But if it's at the thrift store, yeah, you know, I mean, this is like this, my, my mom's sweater. You know, yeah. it's like, it's, this, it's that, it's that concept of we're not contributing more, but we're honoring the life of the creature that died by exactly. using it to its full extent exactly. until it falls apart. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 No, I'm so, glad that you brought that up. Um, so what, at the time when you did become a vegetarian and then vegan, would you say from everything that you know now to back then, were you the healthy type or were you... No, of course not. <laughs> I just cut all animal products out of my diet. Right. And then what yeah. did I have left? 
beans. I mean, I was in Mexico at the time. So it was actually great being in Mexico at the time because I realized most Mexican foods traditionally are are plant-based. You know, there's the guacamole, the salsa, the corn tortillas, the frijoles. So I was able to keep eating like relatively well, but that wasn't on my radar, you know. Um, I was starting to rock climb and I actually got really good really fast. Within a year, I was climbing just as hard as some people that had been for 10 years. And so this gave me a confidence boost, but then I get, I kept getting, you know, after you go climbing or at the crag, when you're hanging out, you're eating some food or you go out to a restaurant after you're done because you're exhausted and tired and hungry. And, you know, I'd always get the comment like, oh, like you can't, this is not sustainable. Like if you eat that vegan food, you're not going to grow muscle. And so I started, I, I just, I was like, I don't, believe that like there's got to be people that don't want to eat animal products in the world that want to be healthy that are also athletes like there's got to be and so I went down that that sort of track of like wow not only are there athletes plant-based athletes there are plant-based athletes that are killing it and they're winning you know and Scott Jurek the ultra marathon runner I mean for some people that might know these names like Venus Williams um, even Mike Tyson I mean like these people there's more and more and more all the time that are switching because they've realized not only can they grow muscle but they can their recovery time increases there's less inflammation in the body so yeah I mean we could go down that route too of like the protein question and and you know I mean it's not it's the question comes from just a simple lack of like a lack of education or just an ignorance of not knowing where protein comes from in the first place which is plants yeah which is plants protein comes from the plants folks it's all in there it's in the romaine lettuce the carrots the beans the rice the you know the most unlikely things you can't have a food on the planet that's not protein unless it's synthesized in a lab and not real, I suppose. But Gatorade, um, does Gatorade have protein? Yeah, I don't know exactly. Like, you know, but it's it's really hard to not um, get protein unless you're only eating iceberg lettuce. Yeah, you're not going to make your protein needs if you're just living on iceberg lettuce. But if you have a diversity of foods and you just yeah. eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner regularly, whatever snacks you want, if you want them or not, desserts, if you want them or not, um, they all contain protein. Um, I, I have to say that, um, I'm glad that, you know, you were climbing and you had these people who were questioning you. Cause I imagine that's what sent you down the rabbit hole to be like, okay, I need to explain this better. Right. hundred percent. Yeah. You know? Cause my, I basically was like, Oh, 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 I'm not going to make muscle. Oh shoot. I'm, I really am liking this climbing thing. I really want to keep doing it, you know? And like, I, I ended up climbing in 10 countries all over the world and it's a fabulous time in my life. I don't climb as much right now, um, for some reasons that you can share in a minute, but, uh, one is a baby. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You know, I know I was the same way too. Cause I, um, same thing took up climbing one day and then that was it within a year. I was like climbing the face of the chief and, uh, in Squamish and, you know, I climbing, you know, around the world, it was the most amazing time. Um, so I can relate to that. And, uh, and it's such a great community too. Like if anybody out there has not started rock climbing, I mean, there's so many gyms now that are available in communities. I really encourage people because it is such an incredible tight community. 
Yeah. And you get fit fast. That's what I found. Yeah. That's what I found Mm -hmm. too. And that was my hook was the community, you know, we're speaking about community on here where I live now, but like the rock climbing community overall around the world was solid. Yeah. And it, it, it was inspiring, you know, and people were living in their vans and I was like, this is cool. They're like pure freedom. I work six months of the year. I take six months off. I'm like, I yeah. want to do that. This yeah. Fun. You and know? you did do that, didn't you? I did. Oh yeah, yeah, I did. And I, I, it was amazing. Like I went to, I've climbed in Thailand and South Korea and Taiwan and uh, Turkey and Spain, Canada, Mexico, the U S um, yeah. Yeah. And it just was a wonderful time of my life. And I used to actually get kind of, I still feel a little bit like how I talk about it in the past where it's like, no, it's not in the past. Oh, I know. You know, it's going to happen again soon. Yeah. But, and uh, it will happen again to you. I have three girls and all three of my girls climb. I have one that is, she climbs every single day. Um, wow. And she's like, just, she's, literally climbing some of the most incredible stuff and it's just so fun to see she's 14 and you know to see her really want to be strong so she's also weightlifting and you know doing tons like it's incredible she's hanging off our walls doing pull-ups left right and center all day long love it it is so great so it does come back and what's so great is we started our kids climbing like when they were you know, pretty much can two, I think like, you know, they were scaling the smoke lefts and Squamish and, um, and repelling, you know, down, it was amazing. So it, it will come back, but I tend to find now I just shuttle my kids to climbing and I'm not there necessarily as much doing it, but yeah, it'll come but back. But that's part of life. It's like, no, like you, no matter how hard you try to hang on to the thing that you have, it's like yeah. change is inevitable. Yeah. And so I've just more embraced change. And I'm like, where am I now? I'm in on this beautiful island, but I did just buy land and I am going to build a bouldering cave. That's yeah. all. Oh, awesome. <laughs> I'm going to do it. Yeah. That is so like, If we can't go climbing, we'll bring the climbing to us. <laughs> yeah. And is there a lot of climbing down there? No, no, because it's pretty there flat, are, isn't it? For yeah, well, right here, I mean, there's not a lot of like vertical. Rock. Um, there's yeah. lots of hiking for sure, tons of volcanoes to hike. Uh, and there's a couple canyons up north, and I have heard of people coming down here to like set up projects, but there's not like a hub, you know, right. community right. climbing hub, like you wouldn't come here to climb. Yeah. Um, yeah, in certain places like Mexico, Potrero Chico, in you know, Sirana and Spain, like yeah. Tonsai in Thailand, like these are like hubs for climbing that people kind of would go to. Yeah, exactly. Not yet, not here, but. And so as you were traveling around the world, because you did get to go to a lot of countries, how was that to maintain a relatively healthy um, plant-based diet that you were on? Because you saw a lot of countries. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it was, it's like the thing I do when I travel, I find the food. So it's like, yeah. I get the place and I find the food. Like, where's the vegan restaurant? Where's the vegetarian? Where's the uh, Buddhist restaurant? Where's the J- uh, Japanese, Vietnamese, Thai, Mexican restaurants, Indian restaurants? You know, these places are all going to have uh, vegan food, probably. Um, yeah, so definitely it was always on my, like my number one thing in my mind. Yeah. Um where is the food? So yeah, traveling around and finding places like back in the day, like the Lonely Planet book, yeah, you know, totally. versus the internet on the phone. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so that would always be a, a huge part of my traveling. So I would actually like choose places to stay based around the culinary 
environment. Like if there was more of a scene in that realm there, I would go there. Um, but and yeah, that, it, it, well, I was just going to say that is a really important point, uh, important point that you bring up because so many people plan their day, like what they're going to do for work, when they're going to go to the gym, when they're going to, you know, move kids around or, you know, go see a movie or meet up with friends. But I think that we need to shift this in our society, right? Where everybody's eating healthy. We have a pandemic and epidemic of chronic disease upon us. We need to be like first thing planning like our food for the next day. Like, is your fridge stocked? What are you going to put in your body? And so this is like what you are doing, like making food first, I think is like the number one tip for people. Yeah, it is what I do. And actually, I never really even thought of that. But yeah. now that you mention it, yeah, it's always on my mind. Um, when I wake up in the morning, like days days down the road i came here to my sister's house i didn't just pack up and leave i'm like okay i'm gonna pre-make cashew cheese i got a mango salsa because she doesn't have a blender so i'm like mango salsa cashew cheese uh turmeric drink some garlic sauce like i made it all before i came here so now i'm here in a new kitchen without my stuff and i've got all the food ready to go in the fridge amazing so yeah. And like broccoli. I got some broccoli, <laughs> which is hard to find here, but I found some and I got it. Oh my God. That is awesome. I know broccoli is one of the things too, that I'm like, I'm a whole, whole family. It's the one staple that we all know if we just make a huge, huge, huge batch of it, like the kids will, you know, everyone will eat it. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's a yeah. staple. So then um, you have done a lot in your lifetime as you ventured through the, the health food world um, and you have produced a ton of books. You have recipe books, which is what I love. I love that you have a sauces book because um, when you do change your diet, I think that's one of the most important things is that you have the right dips, sauces, and dressings. Hands down. I yeah. think that is probably, I mean, next to learning how to flavor balance your food. So you're able to, you know, adjust it on the whim and like really cook from scratch. Sauces are everything. And then again, like the ingredients in the sauces. So it's not just like I'm buying a sauce off the counter, off the shelf in the grocery store. I'm making my sauces from scratch out of the most nutrient dense foods I possibly can. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm, I'm not one that doesn't consume oil. Like I consume oil, olive oil, coconut oil, but I've been like seeing kind of in my, my immediate surroundings and some professional opportunities that have come up that like maybe I'm going to like tone down the oil in some of my own recipes. Um, but personally, I love oil. Um, yeah, but when you think of sauces, you know, you could have a sauce that's made with like tahini, yeah, whole food, or you can have a sauce made with oil and it can yeah. be almost the exact same sauce, but like one is this many calories and one is this many. Yeah. Now I, I don't, um, need to lessen my calories. I probably need to up my calories. Um, although sometimes oils, they don't have a lot of nutrition either. Yeah. There are pound for pound versus the actual food itself. Um, I don't know why I went off on an oil. Oh, the sauce is the sauce. The sauce is no, but it's really yeah. important because, um, what you said, and a lot of people don't realize this. And unless you've taken like, you know, Dr. T Colin Campbell's center for nutrition studies program or a nutrition program where they are looking at, um, the nutrient density of food, as well as, you know, the caloric load of food as well, then you're not going to know that you're just going to go to the store and be like, here's a salad dressing in a bottle, I'm going to buy it. And meanwhile, not knowing that every time you do that, 
like you want it for every teaspoon of, of food you put in your body, you want it to be packed with the most amount of nutrients. That's, that's a nutritarian lifestyle. Um, versus if you're using oils, then you are just, you know, you, you've just traded the avocado for the oil and all of the yeah. beautiful nutrients and also the, also the beautiful fiber that comes from yeah. that food. Yeah. So which it, is so essential. We could talk about fiber for a long time. Exactly. So, so yeah, so it's important for people to know that, that the oil will not provide you with those things. Um, so, so opt in for the food. And of course, if you do need to bulk up, then I can see yourself, you know, opting in for, um, you know, some more cal caloric dense food like oils, but a lot of people don't even have to once they figure out how to eat really well. Um, yeah. So, okay. So you have all of these amazing books. So now that came out before or after the climbing accident. Let's talk about that. Ah, yes. The thing that changed everything. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Let's um, talk about that. It's kind of crazy because at the moment I was living in South Korea and I had gone, I was teaching at a university and I had four months vacation a year, which was amazing. So I was on a two month hiatus um and i had gone to uh where did i go that year oh yes i went to turkey and obviously that's where the accident happened um and i went to vienna and i went to yeah austria and germany and i was in turkey and i okay the books all that stuff happened after the turkey accident um because that was the that was like a catalyst for change for me for sure um so i was eating this you know i was vegan i was eating actually quite healthy at the time and like i said it's kind of this weird timing because i had started to write these cookbooks with my neighbor uh she was just a home cook but she was a beautiful or she still is a, a beautiful photographer um her style is so classic and she's so beautiful herself and inside and out and just what a wonderful woman um her name is jessica perlasa and uh, Together, we created this series called The Kitchens of Pinch and Dash. And so I was Dash and she was Pinch. And, you know, we would knock on each other's doors and like share uh, like fun recipes that we'd created from the new things we found in the Korean market. And um, it got really exciting for us. And then we were hike, we would hike every morning as, as an exercise. So we had a little mountain kind of slash hill behind our where we lived. And so we would do this hike together. We started brainstorming, oh, well, what if we put some of our recipes together in a little book? Because there was an event coming up called Women Create. So we're like, let's be part of this event. I'm hosting it. Um, we can put our book there. And we called it Share Autumn from the Kitchens of Pigeon Dash. Mm -hmm. And we brought it to this event and we sold all of, we just got them uh, printed from a local printer. Uh, so there's no ISBN numbers on them or they're not registered and uh they're phenomenally beautiful because so her beautiful. photos are just awesome i mean some some photos are mine too but i would say that the style was came from her for sure um and yeah and we and the recipes are like half 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 recipes are mine half the recipes are hers but so we put out this book called share autumn and then the first question everyone had was when is winter coming out right we like, oh rooster we were like oh we didn't think about that and then we're like well if we do winter we have to do spring and summer too so we committed to that and we created all four books and um yeah so it's uh, share autumn hibernate winter awake spring and bounty summer 
and then as and then we like launched them every three months and then as we were about to get ready to launch the fourth one um bounty lots of people started asking us like oh can i like contribute and prior to that like the first three books it was just our recipes and we didn't have anyone else's recipes so we thought well why don't we just open up this last book for everyone else's recipes so then all of our friends and like all these other people from Canada, from South Korea, from Haiti, I was in Haiti at the time for a couple months, um, they contributed recipes. And so we've got, yeah, this collection at the end that was a co- contribution of different people. So we created these books and in the middle of that whole process, this was, took a year, I went to Turkey by myself, right outside the door. Um, love it. By, yeah, so I went by myself to Turkey on a climbing trip um, to a well-known climbing area that would have a lot of people climbing there called Gik Bayiri, which is near Antalya in the, so- in the south, um, yeah, near, near the water. And um, I went there and I was there for about five days and I met this guy, Sang, and what a great person. And we decided to start climbing together because he was there alone as well. So we started climbing together and one day we went to this area where there was a bunch of caves, cave climbing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you're climbing like upside down and hanging and hanging on uh, tufas and stalactites and things like that. And uh, <laughs> we, uh, we, all good, uh, all good. I love I it. Let's bring nature into the podcast. <laughs> totally. You might hear some monkeys as well, soon, but all I'll right. let you do Um. Yeah, so we started climbing in this cave and there was this girl there, um, Karen. She had just climbed this route and I was kind of in awe. So I was like, wow, you're so strong. And wow, that's amazing. Like I was like, yeah, girl, way to go. Cause it, was, it looked really hard. And she goes, why don't you try it? I was like, oh, it's a bit like hard for me that that one, like that level. But I was like, nah, screw it. If he, she can do it, I, I can do it. So I got on the climb and I climbed pretty much to the end, but you've climbed, um, and for your listeners that don't know what I'm talking about, but it's called pumped. And it's when like your forearm muscle gets so much lactic acid buildup that you literally can't even close your hand. So I'm at the top of this climb in a cave, half, half upside down, and I'm hanging on for my life. And the anchor's literally right, right here, right behind my head. And all I have to do is lean forward, pull the rope and clip it. And my hands won't close. So I can't lean because my hands are opening like this. So basically my climbing partner said, you know, you're going to have to take a fall. I got you. It's going to be a really big fall, but you're not, you're going to be fine. And I'm just like, oh my God. And at that point, it was like, okay, this is going to be the biggest fall I've ever taken. And, you know, if you've never fallen rock climbing, it's scary because you're falling backwards into the unknown. You don't can't yeah, see where yeah. you're falling. It's not like you're jumping forward. So you literally, so I literally had to count to three, one, two, three, and push myself off the cliff. And somehow, because it was such a long fall, in the midst of the fall, the rope got caught behind my leg, flipped me upside down, and I my back smashed into the wall and I wasn't wearing a helmet which was such a stupid thing after that day I always wore helmet climbing but I wasn't wearing a helmet so I 
I just, I don't know, instinctually or like everything I had heard, like cover your head. So I covered my head and that's when my back hit the wall. Boom. If I didn't cover my head, I, my head would have hit the wall for sure. And I would have died for sure. Um, Cause it was such an impactful fall. Cause it was seven meters, oh. but I didn't fall on the ground. I fell on the rope, but the impact of the wall was pretty much like falling on the ground. Yeah. So I'm in, instantly I broke five ribs, punctured my lung and Obviously, I didn't know this at the time, but I knew something bad, really, something really bad happened. Um, but I was completely conscious and kind of in shock because I didn't hit my head. So I was like, okay, I was like aware. And the first thing that I said, so my partner, um, my climbing partner, this guy that I just met five days prior, he lowered me down. He was white as a ghost. And he said, are you okay? And I was like, I didn't hit my head. No, I'm not okay we need to get out of here right now. And like, I didn't know what was going on. I just knew. And then I knew like breathing, like something was wrong, but I wasn't in that much pain. Cause I was just in so much shock. shock yeah. So some people came, they heard, they heard the fall. Um, I don't know if I screamed. I can't remember that part, but my, my, uh, climbing partner said that he heard my bones break. So that's why he was as white as a ghost because he knew something serious had happened. And, um, I took an Advil, which was a, which was bad. I got in trouble at the hospital for doing that, but, uh, a, you know, some people, a couple other climbers came and I had to walk. So they tried to like strap me to this chair. It didn't work. My body was moving too much. So Karen actually says, why don't you try walking? I'm like, yeah. So I stood up. I grabbed my body like this and I walked down that mountain. Oh my God. Meanwhile, my lung is filling up with fluid. And I get to the bottom and there's a river and on the other side of the river is the ambulance. And they're like, you got to cross the river. I'm like, Oh my God, are you serious? I have to cross this raging river. that's like up to my knees. Ah. So like two, you know, one person behind me, two people beside me, like slowly little by little crossing this river. I get to the other side, got rushed to the hospital, uh, which was like 45 minutes on a bumpy country highway got to the hospital. They're like, it was like the movies, like racing you down the hallway on the stretcher with the lights. And, but meanwhile, I'm all, I'm totally conscious. Um, they did like x-rays right away. They did an MRI right away. And, um, then the doctor came and I remember he came to my right side. Cause I remember his face in my ear and he said, we know what's wrong. You have five, five broken ribs and a punctured lung and we need to do emergency surgery right now. And I was like, when, right now and literally the the anesthesiologist walked in grabbed my arm i was like <gasps> and i looked at i looked at the, my climbing partner i said don't call my parents call <laughs> my parents. and like that was it and i was like out and half an hour later i woke up with a tube in my chest and my lung was draining and the surgery was a success and yeah it was like i spent 10 days in the hospital <clears throat> on a uh, respirator because I couldn't breathe on my own and just like to get out of the bed and go to the bathroom was like the hardest thing ever <laughs> took me like yeah. 10 minutes just to like sit up because there was a tube in my body so like anytime it moved it was like scratching my insides like not, oh. not um but yeah through that experience it was like everything shifted because it made me realize that I didn't die yeah. And that you could like, we, us, me, you, we all could die at any moment. Like 
climbing isn't actually inherently that dangerous. No. Uh, deaths in climbing for the people who climb on a regular basis isn't common. Like, no. and even bad falls. I mean, no. people can fall regularly. If you know what you're doing, you could fall multiple times in a day and it's fine. Um, but yeah, it just so happened I had an accident, you know, and yeah, at that point it was like my creativity kind of just shot through the roof. Um, I just did all the things I wanted to do. Not, not in that sense, but more of in a sense of like, what am I waiting for? Like, why am I waiting yeah. for someone yeah. else to tell me that I can make a music album yeah. that I can yeah. write four cookbooks that I can start my own business? Like, why do I need, why don't I just go for it? I well, almost, it's yeah, it's interesting that you bring this up because there is, um, I was just reading about this. My daughter, she's 17 and she just started um, learning how to give people tattoos. So she gave me like, I, I was the first big one she did. And then she gave a huge one to my husband, like right up and down his arm. And um, it's, it's just awesome. But so of course now my husband and I are like, what's our next tattoo? Cause we have this free <laughs> tattoo artist in our house. All we had to do was buy her a gun and some ink and all the, right. you know, equipment and supplies. So, but is, so one of the ones that she's going to give me is a tattoo that's called Memento Mori uh -huh. and Memento Mori for anybody who doesn't know what that is and what mm -hmm. Danielle is talking about. It's, it's Remember uh, that you'll die. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's knowing that death is upon us at any moment. And it's the only one true constant in life from the moment anything is born. The only sure thing is that it will die. And you want to hold that at the forefront of your being, because it's what liberates you to go write the books create the documentary, go climb the highest mountain, go after your dream job, go ask that person around the corner out because guess what? It doesn't even matter. We're all going to die anyway. And it could happen tomorrow. It can happen like, you know, in a second. So take advantage of this precious, incredible life that you're given. That, totally. That's what it is. Yeah. That's so exactly. I love that you brought that up. That is incredible yeah. timing. Yeah. Yeah. And like a lot of people are afraid of death. I mean, especially what's going on in the world right now, people are afraid, afraid, but it's like, now is the time to make the changes you've always wanted to. Yeah. Now is the time to do the thing that you've been telling yourself you want to do your whole life. And I know these people specifically, I'm not going to call yeah. them out, but do the thing that you want to yeah. do because you're going to die. You're going <laughs> mean, to die. It's come, it come, and then, but then you think about, okay, well, I'm going to die, but maybe I'm going to die in 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years from now. But how do you want to live then? Yeah. Do you want to live sick and tired and groggy and feel like shit? Pardon my language. Feel yeah. like crap. Yeah. And yeah. do you want to, you know, or do you want to thrive? And, and then this is where the piece of the food comes in. Yeah. The food is the fuel that allows you to live the life that you've always wanted to live because exactly. your mind is sharp, because your body doesn't hurt, because you have energy, because you're motivated. You're, I don't know, like food, food gives positivity to me anyways, yeah. when I feel good and I I'm energized, you know, like food is medicine. Food is medicine. And let's talk about the energy part too, because I think this is something that people, um, they, I don't know, there's, I get that studying food and nutrition, you know, you know, I've been studying it for, you know, I don't know how long now, like 
it's been 20 plus years, you've been studying it for an exceptionally long time. Um, you know, you've been teaching it in a school, in schools, you know, you have workshops, you have books, you have all of this. So some people will be like, well, you study nutrition. I don't get it. I think this part about energy is the simplest concept for people to understand. It is literally like drinking, like, the I don't elixir. want to say battery acid, but it's like elixir. It your food has a plus and a minus sign on every single molecule that's out there. And these like magnesium rich foods, people usually like, well, why should I eat greens? Well, you eat it because literally it is full of these plus and minus signs. And when they come together, it's like power, it's energy, it's magnetism, it is chemical energy and so if you want to increase your energy you've got to eat the food that has like that electrical charge to it right or the negative ion and they're going to meet the other one and they're going to form these chemical reactions that are going to fuel you like it, you don't need to know what a carrot is like whether it no. has zinc or magnesium or just anything just freaking eat the just freaking eat real food <laughs> yeah yeah oh my gosh I remember my partner he would always say you know He's like, I don't care. I don't care. No, just give me, just give me the food, you know, just give me the salad. I'll yeah. eat the salad. I know it's good for me, but I don't care about the, yeah. And so that's the thing. Yes. Yes. I've studied nutrition. Yes. I know so much, but because that's my role in yeah. the world and it's my deepest passion to yeah. share this knowledge. So I have to know, and, and I'm a total, and even when you say that, it's like, but I still don't know everything. Like I'm an, I'm a lifelong student. I will keep reading books. I will keep learning. I learn stuff all the time, like new stuff all the time. Yeah. Yes. I have my like base of things that I've known for a long time, but I'm just constantly adding to that repertoire of knowledge. Um, but yeah, like you said, you know, just eat it because maybe it will take years and years to study nutrition, but it's literally instantaneous yeah. when you yeah. put that food in your mouth and you eat yeah. it and, and, and people notice the difference. Yes. And on, I was just going to say that. And on the flip side, if you, um, you know, and this is everyone. No, I always say this. I can crush a bag of chips. No problem. And even if they're organic and vegan, they're mm -hmm. still full of a lot of crap unless you've sliced your potatoes yourself and baked them in the oven. Okay. If they come in a bag that's on a shelf and that that bag can last a year or two years before it's open, like that is not food. So the right. thing is, is that you know that the food that is processed and refined and that it's had all this other, you know, um, preservatives added to it, it, it doesn't have that plus minus potential the way the carrot or the potato or the squash or the daikon or whatever else has, right? Yeah, yeah, and because it, it's not alive. No, it's not living. It doesn't have the beautiful fiber and the bacteria that's healthy and important for you and all the other, like the plethora of like 150 plus minerals, vitamins, nutrients, you know, amino acids. So like it is an energy thing. And I, this is the only thing that we teach people is how to get connected to the energy of food. Then um, that's your that's, niche. That's your niche. I know. You're super, you're super niche. <laughs> or your super Connect niche as we were talking Yes. And this is, this is, um, yeah, so important. So important. So then after you were in the hospital and here you are, like how many, it must've taken you what weeks, months to heal. How did that work? At least. Okay. Again, a crazy story. So I have a tattoo on my legs, speaking of tattoos, um, of Alice in Wonderland, like as she's like my spirit animal, <laughs> like as her, as her, like, you know, this curious, curious, like wondrous, like try anything type of person. Um, and 
she is falling. She's rock climbing on my leg and she's falling. And this tattoo was halfway done when I actually fell. No. So it was kind of spooky and weird about that whole thing. But, um, okay, sorry. Where was the question? I totally diverted. <laughs> I, I was like, God, but my tattoo. No, <laughs> that is an amazing, that is crazy. It's weird. It's weird. Yeah. I got to yeah. be careful about what I put on my body here next. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Don't, don't rewrite the story before it happens. No. no. Um, yeah. But, healing. Just how you heal. Okay, yes, um, of course. Yeah. Of course. So healing. So, okay. This was the thing the doctor told me. I didn't even cry the whole experience. Like I didn't cry until the doctor told me you're not going to be able to climb for like two years. I was like, no, I have a, I have a climbing trip planned. Like next month, like in a couple months, it's like my big, big yearly trip. Like I have to do this. Like I have people, I'm going to be friends and friends are going to come from all like different parts of the world that I haven't seen. And he's like, He's like, you're crazy. Like, no way. Like, you've got so much scar tissue. There's so much damage inside your body right now. Like, you have, like, so I still to this day, I have two floating ribs. Uh, when I say my ribs, they're my back ribs. So, it's the first right, five right. ribs one, two, three, four, five going down the back, nemothoracic right around my lung. Um, and oh, I learned a lot about the body too, by the way. I bet. <laughs> oh, that body is a very amazing thing. It is. Um, but yeah, two floating ribs that still haven't attached. They're still completely severed um so it, in four months I was climbing again wow I I went on my trip I yeah. went on my trip and I was climbing cautiously more tenderly less difficult but I was still climbing yeah and the only way that I was able to do that was because of the food that I ate mm -hmm. there's just no way that if I had super fatty inflammatory foods, animal products that I would, that I would be able to heal my body. There's just no way. What I was eating was, you know, green smoothies, juices. Um, I was in the process of finishing this cookbook series. So I was like making all of these delicious whole, um, gluten-free vegan foods. That's kind of our, what our foods are all about there's raw there's also cooked but i was eating just like nutrient dense as you said every bite considering you know the nutrition behind the food and i'm convinced that is what made me heal my body because yeah i just there's just no no other way and i felt so good so fast for such a bad accident yeah and, and I, and I know it a hundred percent to be true because we saw it clinically with our daughter when she broke her um, radial head right off of her um, forearm and it broke off and slipped down her arm. So the top part of her bone broke off, slipped down her arm. So they had to do three procedures, Joy stick it up in there. Luckily she didn't need a needle, it held. And, um, but it was interesting because we they asked us if we wanted to be part of a study. And this is in my book, I write about this story. And so we are like, yeah, for sure. A study on radial head fractures, like who doesn't want to contribute to science and, and <laughs> knowledge. And so what happened is, um, I knew nothing about this break. I had to learn all about it, but I knew that she'd be out of gymnastics for at least a year. The doctors also said that. So on our three week appointment, we went back to have the cast removed because you need to have mobility because you need blood flow in this area. It's really important. So we're like, okay, great. Get the cast off at three weeks, go home. He didn't tell us that she couldn't do anything. So she's doing cartwheels and like back walkovers and back handsprings, like all of these things. And 
Um, and I didn't think anything. So we went back for a six week appointment and he's like, okay, we need to do another x-ray. And, um, and I just happened to mention she's doing gymnastics and he's like, no, 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 she can't, she can't be doing gymnastics. It's impossible. So he does the x-ray and he sees that the bone is perfectly fused back together. No excesses build up of any calcium deposits and that's it. We're disqualified from the study. Yeah. They're like, you heal too fast. And I was like, well, do you want to ask us why you think this or is? Or how? Yeah. Or and maybe share the information with all the other people so they can heal totally. faster? Exactly. And the thing is, they didn't ask us one single question about our lifestyle. And I mean, this is a study on kids in a certain age bracket, right? So it's not like we're studying, you know, diverse populations. Like it is a very closed, tight study and didn't even ask us one question. I know, but so I, I know, I know that it works. And of course it works with my clients because we reverse, you know, um, so many conditions related to broken bones when they have their healing reactions. And it's because they're getting mass nutrient dense um, food as part of their, their therapy. Yeah. yeah I mean, that's even cool. like, yeah, I, I actually have another story of healing, um, but it's not yeah. really my story, but it's our story. My partner and I, he was considered uh, like infertile not able to not able like my doctor said bad news not good we went to a fertility specialist we were sitting in his office and he comes back and he's like you are not going to get anyone pregnant with this sperm we're going to need you to test we're going to okay we know he's got a problem he's totally infertile you though we don't know about you so so he's like when you get your next period i want you to call us and we'll set up tests to make sure you don't have a problem too and i was like okay I was pregnant. I was pregnant when I was sitting in that chair. And you know what I did? I took I took him off animal products and I fed him mostly raw, nutrient-dense, plant-based foods. Yes. Yeah. And also off testosterone therapy. He was doing testosterone therapy. So it was like none of that. Yeah. And I was like, do you want to have a baby or not? Like if you want to have a baby, yeah. you got follow me. Yeah. You and it's exactly that because you get blood flow down to the testes, you get blood flow to, to all the reproductive systems, you get your hormone system fully gets a workover and it finally starts working accurately. And I tell people like, especially with fertility too, like we have so many people who've had babies who were told they'll never have babies. Yeah. And then it was, and it's amazing because the first thing to happen when your body is deficient in nutrients, it's to shut down the reproductive system because you don't, you can't go around making babies that are going to be when you're sick and when you're sick yeah. and you can't fuel that baby inside of you and so it's nature's amazing it has an amazing ability to be like screw you no kids for you and then all of a sudden you can turn that around but it's not going to happen when you're eating predominantly high no. processed food high animal fat diet it just won't happen yeah and it also doesn't happen overnight which no. is like people people like oh you know the stories but it's like hey like food is a slow medicine it's yeah. a slow medicine but it's a it's a like persistent medicine yeah. you know it, it doesn't stop um it's not like it's a quick fix and then you go fall back when you start to eat or when we start to eat healthier we will just be healthier yeah. forever like it just yeah. keeps going on yeah, so that was incre that was incredible, but the exact same thing happened. I called the fertility doctor. I was like, guess what? We're pregnant. I was actually pregnant. I didn't have to call you because I was pregnant. And he's like, oh, yeah, okay. Don't you want to know how I did it? <laughs> Don't you want to know? Can I share with the people that are suffering, trying to have babies? Like, can I not share what worked for us? And, you know, we did actually even choose specific foods that are 
known and have been known for centuries in different uh, Ayurvedic and traditional Chinese medicine to be positive, uh, a positive influence on the reproductive system. Amazing. So, yeah, like um, goji berries. Uh, he started taking pine pollen, um, like sweet potatoes, avocados, things that are going to be, yeah, like so pears, eggplants, um, just things that are, have been known and have been yeah, noted to improve fertility. And so we just focused on those foods. And I got pregnant at 38 years old, never been pregnant before in my life. And uh, it was on the fifth try. And with a husband who is basically saying he'll never make babies. Yeah, you're infertile, never make babies. That is an amazing story. Oh my yeah. gosh, I love it. Yeah. I and it was, love it. It was because he was also like, he took, um, which is like a, maybe a warning, but like he took uh, steroids all throughout his early 20s. Right. And it, that can make you infertile because it basically tells your body it doesn't need to produce testosterone anymore and your body stops being able to make it itself. Yeah. Yeah. And then you're not able, then the, the man is not able to make the sperm. And so, wow. so this was a thing that he knew. He actually knew when we met and like, after the relationship was like going on a few years, he, he confided to me, you know, yeah. as we started the baby talk, he's like, actually, like, I don't think I can have children. Right. I was like, really? Why? And then he told me the story and I'm okay to share this because it's not a secret. And yeah. he would, you know, also like other people, to hear the story, you know, of course, anecdotal stories, like everybody's different, but I'm convinced, I'm convinced that it was the food. We've seen it happen over and over and over again um, through the work we do. And it's just like a woman the other day just stopped me and she was pushing a three-year-old around. And of course, right away, I was like, whose baby is that? And she was like, it's mine, Nikki. I've been meaning to call you and tell you like, but of course she got so busy wrapped up, but, but it was exactly that, that um, she couldn't get pregnant. She had had multiple surgeries. She turned full fertility, nothing worked, nothing worked, nothing worked. And then she um, finally decided to use food as medicine medicine and voila but you know the part that about the doctor not even asking the question like I know doctors are you know they they're not going to form causal relationships between what somebody says you know they're just going to be like okay great next and yeah. it's unfortunate that they're not more curious because if they were this would be advanced more within the medical system like doctors would be prescribing food just being like hey listen get off the junk get on to the real stuff yeah. and then let me know how it goes and this is the thing, and you know this, and this is, com I think, I think this is common knowledge, but you know, doctors, they do their best. They're amazing at what yes. they do, but they're just not trained in nutrition. No. No. Every doctor, I've had doctors come through my courses and the doctors that come through my course, I know more about food than they do guaranteed. Yeah. Yeah. But when I start talking more scientifically, then usually they're like, oh yeah, yeah, that's right. That is like that. Yeah. Yeah, they don't exactly. know how to make the food taste good. Yeah. So and, they, system, and they don't know. No. They just don't know. And They've the system isn't designed for them to integrate nutrition into their practice in a seven and a half minute appointment. And like, what are they going to do? Call up with people and be like, did you go grocery shopping today? Or do you need help making that sauce? And so that's where we need more collaboration though. Like between people like your, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yourself, myself and doctors and, yeah. and, and there is a solution to this and it's going to take that integrated approach to be able to support patients. Yeah, because, you know, as it, like we talk about this idea of health care, well, it's not health care, it's sick care. Yeah. If it was health care, there's this ancient Chinese proverb that says, 
he who, you know, does not eat healthy wastes the time of his doctor. Yeah. Because basically, yeah, like that's the first thing, like just start trying your diet. Now, after you've changed your diet and you've been on it for a while and nothing's changing, then maybe there's like something there and maybe that needs a deeper look. Mm -hmm. But yeah, the fact that food's not even a question, it's just, it's the craziest thing to me. It's the craziest thing to me that the the thing you do the most every day, all day, every day of your life, multiple times a day, it doesn't affect how you ha- are yeah. your health. It's just crazy. And then also people feel very threatened yeah. to change their lifestyle. They don't want to change. They'd rather do the most invasive, crazy, expensive, hard to heal from surgery yeah. or whatever, than to just change the way they eat. But don't you also find though that people do not even understand the connection between food and their body. And people also do not understand the connection between a chronic disease and the fact that they actually have it. Like I have so many people who will be like, oh, I just wanted to learn a little bit more about food and nutrition. And then we get into their health history and they're on multiple pills. They, and I'm like, these are diagnoses from the doctor with prescription medications and they don't think of them as actually being a chronic illness. It's just this, this, well, this is just who I am. Yeah. This is just my lot in life. And there's that that happens, which that also needs to be communicated differently um, to let people know that you do not have to live with this. Yeah. You know, and, and the diagnosis that you get, like that can be really heavy on people, especially very sensitive, emotional people. Like I know people, I, I know, I can particularly the first thing is a person that I know, a girl that I know, that, you know, the diagnosis, like doom and gloom changed, like, just like, mm-hmm. like, that's my fate. Yeah. No, this oh. is your wake up call. Totally. This is your chance to change. You know, this is not your fate, but people take it on as their fate. They identify with it. And then suddenly they're getting both their boobs removed and all their insides removed because yeah. that's what the doctor said. Yeah. Instead and, and of then, changing. And then they're drinking beer. Yeah because they got back from their chemo and they drinking beer and they're having fried chicken wings. Yeah. What? You know, yeah. I mean, but this is, this is because we have, how have we built an education system, which we can talk about how brutal our compulsory education system is. It is like without measure, doesn't teach our kids really anything. And, but we built like, we built a system where even the parents don't have the knowledge to educate their kids about what real food is and how to eat it. And this is a systemic issue. Like it's not, you know, you got the diagnosis, this is your fault issue. This is a complete systemic issue that coincides with the way our medical system is, you know, has been created over the last few hundred years, the way our industrialized food system has been created over the last, you know, few hundred years, the way our education system, like it's all interconnected connected and something needs to change drastically because I know you're hustling your ass out there like what like educating you know you know people and educating physicians but I mean this is a systemic freaking issue that needs to be yeah yeah it it has to be I think we just need to zoom out like a little bit more you know and like okay like what is this thing you know we're 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 again, like you said, the disconnection between food and the body, but disconnection yeah. between food and where it comes from. Yeah. Also, like box, package, store. No, you know, like where 
And this is why I always encourage my students, like what is the backstory of that food? Yeah. Because even the most healthiest foods, they may have a nasty backstory. Like it's, oh, this superfood, but like, whoa, 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 this superfood, did yeah. you know, or this, what's this superfoods involved with? Like yeah. cacao as an example, you know, like there's cacao in the world that's still cultivated in sl like slave labor with children. Yeah. You know, so who, so all consider the backstory. A food is not just a food, a food, a food, right? Like yeah. even the bananas, like I see these guys here, I'm here in banana country. These guys work their butts off from sun up to sun down in the heat and they get paid $5 a day. Yeah. We're working 14 hours a day. Like it's yeah. insane. And you know, it's just, that's, that's another thing. It's like being here and living in Nicaragua has really opened my eyes up to like a lot of that stuff. Um, like a lot of the sesame that's grown here, which is a superfood. They ship it off Island and sell it to McDonald's for their hamburger buns. Yeah. For their hamburger. It's I know. And this is a part two, like you bring up a really good point is that following that backstory is so critical. Um, Cause I used to always say in presentations when people would say, well, really organic, not organic, whatever, like it doesn't matter, but you follow that backstory to where that food is being grown. And you're going to see fathers of young children in the fields, mothers of young children in the field, literally as like the pesticide sprays are going onto the fields and they're inhaling it. Then they go home, they hug their kids with their clothes covered in pesticides. And then they wonder why these kids are born with like so many mental and physical um, challenges, right? And it's and the sometimes direct, the kids and, are out there helping. Yeah. And cancer. Sometimes the kids are in yeah. there. Yeah. yeah. And so who cares, like, if you have to pay a little bit more for some organic food in your prestigious, you know, Whole Foods restaurant or whatever, like follow the backstory and you'll see that you're, even if you're not doing it for your own health, do it for their health. Yeah. And, and every time you do make a purchase that, that, you know, your conscience is clear because you know, because you've educated yourself, you're, you know, informally voting for a better future. Exactly. And so when we all do that, then the organic organic becomes less expensive and it becomes more available. Um, yeah, yeah, I know. I agree. Like there's, there's the, always the argument that it costs more, but think about it. It, it does cost more. Yeah. Like it does cost more because yeah. there's more care. Like even here on the Island, you can't convince that's not true. It's changing, but it's very hard to convince an Islander to grow organic rice because it's so much more work. It's just not yields may be the same, but the work involved because of the care, because you can't just spray and walk away. You have to go, you have to always watch for pests. Um, and there are organic, um, organic, uh, like, uh, fertilizers and things like that, which they can mm -hmm. use, but, but yeah, it's like you're by paying a little bit more, you're actually giving these people a little bit better of a life. Yeah. And if, and you know, like I see it, I see it all day long every day how these people live and i i am always helping as much as i possibly can i'm probably way too empathetic and sensitive and compassionate because it's hard it's i cry even sometimes just like how hard of a life that is lived and they don't complain yeah they're happy they're smiling they're doing the best they can yeah. they're going day by day you know my daughter plays alongside with the the daughters that are living in dire poverty 
they're friends they laugh so for everyone just because you know being in nicaragua and we had different power systems different internet systems um we are going to wrap this one up but there is and but at base going off what you were saying though i think um I actually think farming is a medicine for a lot of people, like a lot of us in the Western countries, you know, you know, developed countries. Um, I hate using those words, but I think getting our hands back into the soil, getting out there, working hard days outside, breathing fresh air, getting your microbiome uplifted with your fingers in the soil and breathing up that dust. I mean, it, it it's a it's a cure in medicine, I think, for a lot of the ailments that are affecting people who get in their car and go to the grocery store and just whatever go shopping and sure. I'm like all about how tasty food yes. but it's like what I'm seeing is on like Instagram Facebook like a lot of these influencers there's no like depth yeah it's like look at this tasty food I, I like my food you know it's like okay but what else like yeah what else yeah. you know it's it's too shallow for me and you know like I need and I want to go deeper like yeah the food it's not just the food yes it tastes good that's where we start we start from with yeah. tasty food but it, the layers are just like there's so many layers to it yeah. and then really at the core of all those layers is really how it affects your inside exactly mental space because yeah. you're you're eating the food you know i don't know maybe that's just me in my life right now and like the people i'm surrounded with but i see I it all like the time with my clients because when they come into learning about food as medicine they become very clinical with it and i'm like just wait you also have to have a relationship with it like it needs to be an experience when you do the grocery shopping when you're chopping like it's not just a chore like to be like oh, i gotta make this and people are like oh it's been too much time in the kitchen okay well Let's talk about that because, you know, you, you want to have help, but at the same time, you don't want to contribute to it. And so it is for, it's reforming all of these, you know, reworking our ideas around that. Like, you know, we went from women being in the kitchen to then women being in the workforce, nobody being in the kitchen. And now it's like, somebody's got to be in the kitchen. Somebody's got to be in the kitchen. Who's going to be? Yeah, and yeah. and it, you can't be wow. in there with hate and like, I'm chopping carrots as opposed to like, I am nourishing my family. I am nourishing this planet through these food decisions that I'm making and purchasing options. And so yeah. it's, I think that soulfulness, soulfulness. And then of course, sitting down, like I eat fast sometimes and I'm eating on the go while I'm like working at the computer. Um, but also like having like mindful eating and yeah. right. This is all Three part of healing before we eat. Totally. This is what we do in my, in my courses. If people yeah. come to my retreats, if people come to the raw food chef certification course, every meal we sit down, we settle, we take three deep breaths together and then we yes. eat together, you know, instead yeah. of me, you trying to wrap up stuff in the kitchen and I'm coming back and yeah. half the people are done eating. And it's like, no, we do it all together because it's this moment of, 3D breaths to do whatever you need, yes. not only like kicks up your parasympathetic nervous system and totally. calms your sympathetic nervous system, but it also gives you a moment to be grateful Yeah. or, you know, just, just that, just that moment of like, wow, so much energy went into this food from the growing it mm -hmm. to, to us just preparing it. Yeah. And now I'm not going to mindlessly devour it. I'm going to slowly chew because chewing is good for digestion. Yeah. And I'm going to, you know, be a little bit more conscious. And same, I totally, sometimes if I'm up, blah, 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 didn't even think about what I just yeah. ate. And this is human nature. This is kind of what we've, well, when I say we, I, many yeah. people have been brought up to, to do just eat and then, yeah, and whatever. 
but yeah, it's a, it's a moment where we can uh, give thanks too. Yeah. like, like, wow, I actually get to eat. Yeah. And not only do I get to eat, but I get to eat this delicious flavor balance. And not only that, but I get to eat pineapple when I live in Canada. Oh my gosh. By the way, I've got the sweetest pineapple right here. <gasps> oh my gosh. I'm waiting to eat that all this whole call. Oh my gosh. I wish I was eating that. I could just smell the aroma from it actually. Like I just know tropical be amazing. This pineapple. one is off the charts. Like wow. people, I don't think people in Canada, if you buy pineapple in Canada, like you just don't know. It's oh. It's hit or miss too. And that's the most disappointing thing. You're just like, oh, yeah. where is, yeah. Oh mm. my gosh. I know, no, I think you're on the right path for sure. Cause that needs to be brought back. And, and the interesting thing, like as you were talking, it just made me realize I'm when religion was more predominant through most households. I mean, everybody used to pray before they, like they hold hands, they take breaths, they, you know, have gratitude for the food and where it came from. Like it's all of those things. But now yeah. it's like reintroducing that without the concept of like, one god as opposed to like creator and spirit and you yeah. know and just or take that even out of it and it's just like yeah. you can just be grateful and you know honor the earth for providing this food and the farmers and everything so yeah. it is that reworking of you know there's good things to a lot of religions and you know we're going to leave the bad keep the good and and just yeah. introducing that into people's lives exactly yeah and it as the have, sun yeah. starts shining down on your head um, I loved what we were talking about at the very beginning of this podcast and um, this deliciousness meets self-actualization, um, you know, um, the food has the power to change lives piece. I think that this is really, really critical and I, and I just, yeah, there's so much work to be done and I'm just so happy that you are doing this work in the world. Yeah, you know, it's it's such it's a holistic view. Like the deeper I go into the food and how it heals the body, the way we think, our mental space, how we treat ourselves, how we treat others, how we treat the planet, um, how we treat animals, like every single aspect of life is connected because the food that we eat happens every day. Every and we day. can't, I mean, yes, we can do a fast and sure we can, but food is part of life. Mm -hmm. And so why not eat the most nutrient dense food possible why not eat the food that's going to build health versus make us sicker and you know and wigmore she's a huge um sort of she's a person that i really really look up to um she's no longer with us but she would say that the food you eat can either be the most detrimental form of poison or the most powerful medicine yeah and so with every choice that you make try to make a better choice but then also realize you're human and you're and human. You might, you might eat a bag of chips. That's okay. That's okay. Yeah. yeah. Next, yeah. tomorrow, juice. Tomorrow, <laughs> tomorrow, juice. Exactly. And Go to green um, mustache, have a juice. Yeah. <laughs> and also for everybody just to know that Danielle and I didn't get to this place overnight. It's been a journey. And so know that about yourself. Stop beating yourself up about it, about like, am I doing this right? And, or, you know, you just want every decision that you make the next fight, the next moment, just, you know, just make a better choice. That's, that's all that you can do and just keep learning and, um, you know, and then share this knowledge with others because they need to start their healing journey as well into, using food as medicine, food for deliciousness and food for fun and, and, and health and everything else. How yeah. can people find you? Well, I'm always available through my online course, um, pachavega.com, P-A-C-H-A-V-E-G-A.com. Um, and do you hear that? 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That was awesome. Yeah. And we're going to put it have... in the show notes as well. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. Sorry. Um, so yeah, so you can find me online, you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. Um, but basically, yeah, my mission in life is to share this power of food with, with my students and to empower them to be able to take it on, own it and go forward in the world. So Amazing. to be able to yeah, be empowered to make those changes and then understand and understand how to make the food delicious. So it becomes yeah. sustainable. And that exactly. is the biggest part is, you know, my brother even said to me, he's like, Danielle, I don't care how healthy the food is. If it doesn't taste good, I'm not going to eat it. Yeah. And that's true. And that's what I love about my course is people come through my course learning about food, learning about nutrition, but they don't realize how tasty mm. the food can actually be and, and how much knowledge that they thought they knew that they're relearning. Yeah. Uh, but busting myths, you know, busting the myths behind some of these nutrition rumors. I um, love it. Yeah. And just going deep into how food can heal the body and then how to make that food taste good. Amazing. Amazing. And everyone head over to Danielle's website because she offers incredible courses that are online, in person, retreats. There's a raw food chef certification, a 21 day gut reset challenge, heal and ignite yeah. masterclass. Like there's just so much good stuff. Recipe books as well. So you got to get your hands on that really great place to start and eat this way. You'll see your chronic diseases melting away. It's, uh, you know, that's what we do here at Eat Real to Heal. So thank you so much, Danielle, for being on the show, sharing your wisdom, your story. It has been such a pleasure. Thank you so much. Hi, everyone. And as promised, an amazing podcast with an incredible human being who is living her life to the fullest, being of complete service to help other people learn about plant-based whole food as medicine so that they can heal as well. It's why I love having these guests on our show. You know what to do. Press the share button, press the send button, the little up arrow. Go send this podcast out to anybody that you know that needs to learn from Danielle, especially about how her husband overcame infertility, which is an amazing story. So you definitely want to share this with everybody that you know out there. And of course, if you know of anybody or yourself that would like to sign up for our nutrition and detox program and our chef course, please head over, over to our website, greenmustache.com and sign up today. Thanks everyone. And see you next week.